0: So good Good evening, yeah, that's it. Here we are again. Tuesday night. Must be Dura. <laughs> so uh, Shelley started us off so many weeks ago um, with one of the F-words. So tonight I thought I'd follow up with the second F-word. That's sometimes challenging or uh, not highlighted, that would be forgiveness. So I'm going to offer some reflections and some thoughts in relationship to forgiveness. And I am going to also um, offer some reflections on gratitude. And they are related. Live in joy, in love, even among those who hate. Live in joy, in health, even among the afflicted. Live in joy and peace, even among the troubled. Look within, be still, free from fear and attachment, Know the sweet joy of the way. That's the Buddha. So life is complex and often not very clear, and sometimes devastating on this path towards freedom. Forgiveness is a huge topic which can bring up so much around injury, pain, and trauma that has been experienced in the past, both as individuals and as communities. Our inability to let go sometimes numbs our lives in the present, and it can limit how we live into the future. We must start somewhere, so that we will have the opportunity to live into all the possibilities of joy and freedom. So I'm inviting you to bring your courage to explore and cultivate the continuing opening of our hearts and minds. Let us set the intention to explore, even in small ways, a practice that can be challenging, not to achieve perfection in forgiveness, but to live the life that we vision for ourselves, a life which is more and more free from suffering. We can engage the practices of forgiveness and letting go with the support of mindfulness, kindness, compassion, and equanimity, all of which you all are familiar at this point. We can restore and renew our beautiful awakening lives. Some quotes for you. Let no person pull you low enough to hate them. Martin Luther King. To forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner was you. Louise Smedes. Resentment is like drinking poison and then hoping it will kill your enemies. Nelson Mandela. If you have not forgiven yourself something, how can you forgive others? Dolores Huerta. Forgiving someone doesn't mean that their behavior was okay. What it does mean is that we are ready to move on, to release the heavy weight, to shape our own life on our terms without any unnecessary burdens. The Buddha has said at another point, forgive others not because they deserve forgiveness but because you deserve peace. Forgiveness does not excuse the behavior. Forgiveness prevents that behavior from destroying your heart. Forgiveness is a gift to yourself. It frees you from the past, past experiences, past relationships. It allows you to live in the present time. When you forgive yourself, and forgive others, you are indeed free. Author unknown, to find peace, sometimes you have to be willing to lose the connection with people, places, and things that create all the noise in your life. Dave Willis, holding a grudge does not make you strong, It makes you bitter. Forgiving doesn't make you weak. It sets you free. Anger, blame, conflict, and resentment arise from our fear. When we are afraid, our body tightens. Our heart is constricted. Our mind is possessed. We cannot live wisely. Forgiveness releases us from the power of fear. It allows us to see with kindly eyes and rest in a wise heart. Mary Beth Jansen spoke to ingredients for a karma cleanse. Be grateful, act with love, check your motives. Watch your attitude. Forgive. So these reflections on forgiveness, you know, I had to do it. I had to go to the, the dictionary. To grant pardon for or remission of. To absolve. To give up all claim on account of. To cease to feel resentment against. To forgive one's enemies, to cancel an indebtedness or liability of, to forgive an offense or an offender. Jack Cornfield says, Forgiveness, I love this quote forgiveness is giving up all hope for a different past. Forgiveness is giving up all hope for a different past. He also says that traditionally, the work of the heart begins with forgiveness. Forgiveness is the necessary ground for any healing. First, we need a wise understanding of forgiveness, and then we can learn how it is to be practiced. This leads to understanding of how we may forgive ourselves and others. Forgiveness is a letting go of past suffering and betrayal, a release of the burden of pain and hate that we carry. Forgiveness honors the heart's greatest dignity. Whenever we are lost, it brings us back to the foundation of love. With forgiveness, we become unwilling to attack or wish harm to another. Whenever we forgive, in a small way at home, or in great ways between nations, we free ourselves from the past. Even those in the worst situations, whether entire countries like Bosnia, Northern Ireland, South Africa, Or Canada, with the truth and reconciliation with the indigenous people. Work has to have found a path to reconciliation with its lumps, bumps, and false starts included. This is true here in America as well, though we have sorely failed to achieve this balance in many, many situations. Sometimes this means finding the courage to forgive the unforgivable, to consciously release the heart from the clutches of another's terrible acts. It is imperative that we discover a way to move on from the past, no matter what trauma is held there. Not forgiving impedes the flowering of compassion, in our practice, and in our lives. Even if we cannot see it in these terms, we can understand that no one but ourselves can make ourselves suffer mentally. This is speaking to the second arrow, the experience of pain and not suffering. From the suttas, the unenlightened being, bhikkhus, experiences pleasant feelings, unpleasant feelings, and neutral feelings. The noble disciple also experiences pleasant feelings, unpleasant feelings, and neutral feelings. In this case, O bhikkhus, what is the distinction between the noble disciple and the unenlightened being? When an unenlightened being, bhikkhus, encounters unpleasant feeling, they grieve, lament, wail, beat their chest, and are distraught and distracted therein. They experience two kinds of feeling, namely, in the body and in the mind. It is as if an archer, having fired one arrow into a certain being, was then to fire a second arrow. That person would experience pain from both arrows. Such is the unenlightened being. They experience two kinds of pain, bodily and mentally. As I've been saying in some of my meetings with some of you, you know, it's unavoidable, this pain. We have a nervous system. It's part of the price we pay for being embodied. But when we take that pain, whether it be physical, mental, or emotional, and really dig in, create stories, create beingness into that arrow, that's when the suffering comes. You know, I like to think of it, um, this isn't so much maybe... Having to do with forgiveness, but the the visual I have on that or the story I made up on that is like, you know, this deer that went out to have some dinner and is on their way home and they're crossing the street and this car taps them, right? And the deer gets all excited, the adrenaline starts running through its body, but it recovers, it's not hurt too badly, and the deer ventures on its way home. And when it gets home, it says to the partner, you know what happened to me? I was on my way home. i just finished having that good grass, and this car hit me in the butt. (laughs) And oh, if I hadn't gone, if I'd come home earlier, or maybe if I'd gone to a different part of the park to find the grass, that wouldn't have happened. And there's this whole beingness that comes into existence behind that experience. Forgiveness is a practice for letting go. For letting go unhealthy and unskillful emotions that would otherwise cause harm to our mental well being. We can make the decision to not add to the fires of hatred and bitterness when it is a part of our experience. Just by making this decision, we can add ease and progress to the development of our practice. Our blame, our self-blame, is often telling us where we need to reach more deeply for the compassion that can forgive. The fear of disappointment can lead us to close our hearts, to mistrust others, and to isolate ourselves. Then life becomes full of fear and loneliness It is not only the failures and imperfections of others that lead to grief and anger, but also our own losses as well that lead to suffering. Health turns to illness. Youth turns to age. Vigor begins to fade. We must learn to live with kindness and integrity and forgive ourselves when we appear to fail. We have so many expectations and opinions of how we should be. And when we fall short of our standards, we suffer the same shame and blame on ourselves that we project onto others. We strive to be better, strive to move beyond blame, and in the relentless pursuit of our ideals, we stop listening to the pain that is born of these impossible demands on ourselves. We think the pain is our fault, some personal failure, some error we have made. We then, from this place, become lost in judgment and are unable to have calm and the openness to forgive ourselves for being human. The illness in our body, the confusion in our minds, our most fierce opponent or enemy, the events we feel most threatened by, all of this is an ask, an ask for gentleness of heart, kindness, forgiveness, and compassion. We must remember that forgiveness is an ongoing process. And through our practice, we can come to understand what is possible for the human heart. When our hearts and minds are full of anger and hatred towards others, we are actually the ones who are suffering, caught in the vice of this mind state. It is not easy to access the place inside Which can forgive, which can love. In some ways, to be able to forgive, to let go, calls for a type of dying. It is the willingness and ability to say, I am not that person anymore. And you are not that person anymore. And we are no longer caught in the cycle of aggression and hurt. Forgiveness allows us to recapture some part of ourselves that was left behind in bondage to a past event. Some part of the identity may also need to die in the letting go, so that there can be a reclamation of the energy that has been bound up in the past. In order to be released from deeply held aversion for ourselves and others, we must practice forgiveness. Forgiveness has the power to bring forth forces of purity and love in the heart-mind and affirm the qualities of patience, and compassion. When we remain mentally enslaved by our past actions or the actions of others, we cannot live life fully in the present. Practicing forgiveness creates the space for renewal and a life free from bondage to the past. In many senses, it is much more difficult to forgive than not to forgive. And forgiveness does not mean condoning a harmful action or denying injustice or suffering. We should never confuse forgiveness with being passive towards violation or abuse. Each of us must be the one to discern with consideration whether the cost is worth the price we are paying by holding on or being right. The sense of psychological and spiritual well-being that comes from practicing forgiveness comes directly because this practice takes us to our edge. Being on the edge is challenging, oftentimes wrenching, but also transforming. The process of forgiveness demands courage, requires fortitude, and a continual commitment to our remembering where our deepest happiness lies. Forgiveness is a gesture of liberation, in the service of liberation. Forgiveness liberates us from what has passed, from the burden of resentment and fear. Understanding our enemy may be a part of forgiveness. Longfellow wrote, if we could read the secret history of our enemies we should see sorrow and suffering enough to disarm all hostility. We share with our enemies the fear of pain and isolation, the anxiety that leads to armoring and the capacity to be hurt. We share with our enemy all the confused and diluted activity that can be generated to protect ourselves from hurt which most often and sadly results in more pain. Understanding our enemies does not excuse their unwholesomeness or unskillful actions, nor does it diminish the pain we may feel as a result of those actions. Understanding and clear comprehension reveals that as long as any heart is governed by fear and self-cherishing, a trail of hurt and pain will be left in its wake. Forgiveness is an expression of the commitment to not add to a mountain of suffering. The Buddha taught that hatred is not healed by hatred, but by love alone. He also urged us to live in joy amongst those who hate, in peace amongst those who war, in equanimity amidst amidst those who fear. This is the home called freedom. We may feel that forgiveness is hard or even almost impossible, and that may be true, but we pay a much higher price for not forgiving. As Goa says, our friends show us what we can do. Our enemies show us what we must do. Forgiveness for ourselves and the myriad numbers of ways we can harm ourselves and others is the embodiment of compassion. Compassion. Forgiveness for those who have harmed us frees us to live in the present rather than being bound to the past. Through this understanding flows a reconciling and a reclamation for each of us which then moves us ever closer to the true freedom of the heart-mind. It is then that there is space enough and the rich soil that can flower joy not unlike the lotus who's rooted in the muck and the mire at the bottom of the lake it boils down to one fundamental question how do we choose to walk and be in this world at this time Can we see the suffering, our own and others, and not shrink back? Can we spend the same time cultivating compassion as we do cultivating dislike, judgment, greed, anger, and ignorance? The Dalai Lama says, if you want others to be happy, practice compassion. If you want to be happy... Practice compassion. May I find stillness in the midst of change. May I find peace in the midst of struggle. May I find softness in the midst of resistance. May I rest in compassion. A Buddhist Prayer of Forgiveness. If I have harmed anyone in any way, either knowingly or unknowingly, through my own confusions, I ask their forgiveness. If anyone has harmed me in any way, either knowingly or unknowingly, through their own confusion, I forgive them. And if there is a situation I am not yet ready to forgive, I forgive myself for that. For all the ways that I harm myself, negate, doubt, belittle myself, judge or be unkind to myself through my own confusions, I forgive myself. Forgiveness is a practice for letting go. Unhealthy and unskillful emotions that would otherwise cause harm to our mental well being. Practice that supports forgiveness, letting go, grieving, reconciliation. Each of these practices offers a wise and simple form, a gracious language. To encourage the heart to let go, to heal, and come to rest. Ajahn Chah says, if you let go a little, you will have a little happiness. If you let go a lot, you will have a lot of happiness. If you let go completely, you will be free. few more quotes for you the way in is through forgiveness the act of forgiveness takes place in our own minds it really has nothing to do with the other person Louise Hay to forgive is the highest most beautiful form of love in return you will receive untold peace and happiness. Robert Mueller. Forgiveness isn't approving of what happened. It's choosing to rise above it. Forgiveness is the key to action and freedom. Hannah Arendt. May all that is forgiven in you be released. May your fears yield their deepest tranquility. May all that is unlived in you blossom into a future graced with love. John O'Donohue. So I hope I made a case for taking that on one of the questions that I've been asking in my practice meetings those of you that sit with me know this and some of you I haven't seen yet so you're getting a one up on knowing this question is coming what is it in your practice or in your being that you refuse to go there And oftentimes, it is this state of needing to forgive. And then, thank goodness, there is gratitude. Yeah? Just as we are grateful for our blessings, so too can we be grateful for the blessing of others. In the Tao Te Ching, it is written simplicity. Patience and compassion, these three are your greatest treasures. Simple in actions and in thoughts, you return to the source of being. Patient with both friends and enemies, you accord with the way things are. Compassionate towards yourself, you reconcile all beings in the world. That's loud too. The quality of being thankful is a readiness to show appreciation for and to return to kindness. Gratitude as an affective trait, one's overall tendency to have a grateful disposition, a mood. Daily fluctuations in overall gratitude. An emotion, a more temporary feeling of gratitude that one may feel after receiving or being present to a gift or a favor. Courage and faith, the other F word. Gratitude is a gracious acknowledgement of all that sustains us A bow to our blessings, small or great. Gratitude is an appreciation of the moments of good fortune that sustain our lives every day. Gratitude is confidence in life itself. In it, we feel how the same force that pushes grass through cracks in the sidewalk invigorates our own life. Gratitude gladdens the heart. It is not judgmental. It does not envy or compare. Gratitude receives in wonder the myriad offerings of the rain and the earth, the care that supports every single life. This moment of gratitude is a moment of enlightenment, of mindfulness, of intelligence. It is a manifestation from the depths of your consciousness. Walk as if you are kissing the earth with your feet. In each precious moment, I am filled with deep gratitude. Our bodies belong to our ancestors, our parents, and future generations. And it also belongs to society and all other living beings. All of them have come together to bring about the presence of this body. Keeping our body healthy is an expression of gratitude to the whole cosmos, the trees, the clouds, Everything. Thanks to impermanence, everything is possible. All of those were quotes from Thich Nhat Hanh. Gratitude thoughts from Maya Angelou. There was a time when I was in a state of utter despair. Immersed in guilt over promises made on which I had not delivered, I went to my vocal coach, Fred Wilkerson, weeping copiously. He asked, What was the matter? I responded, I'm going crazy. I am almost at the brink of suicide. He offered me a legal size lined yellow pad and a pin he said write down your blessings furious that he didn't understand my condition i shouted don't talk nonsense i'm telling you i'm going crazy he said write down that you could hear me say write down and think of the millions who cannot hear the cries of their babies or the sweet words of their beloveds or the alarm that could help them seek safety Write down that you can see this yellow pad and think of the millions on this planet who cannot see the smiles of their growing children or the delight in the faces of their beloveds or the colors of the sunrise and the softness of the twilight. Write down that you know how to write. Write down that you know how to read. Wilkie, as he was known, gave me that lesson in 1955. Fifty-five years later, I have written 31 books, essays, plays, and lyrics for songs, all on yellow pads. I remain in an attitude of gratitude. Tanisoro Biku says... These three points, the efficacy of action, the importance of intention, and the existence of choice, are distinctive elements in the Buddha's teaching on action. And the emotional resonance that gratitude and empathy give to these points may be the reason why, when the Buddha introduced the basic outline of this teaching, he cited topics connected with these emotions, the value of giving, and the debt owed to one's parents. He couldn't offer his listening's proof for his three points. That would come only with their experience of awakening. But by showing how his teaching on action allowed for generosity to be a meaningful action, and gratitude a meaningful emotion, he offered his listeners an emotionally satisfying reason for accepting his word. Gratitude also gives practice in developing qualities needed in meditation. As the Buddha noted, the practice of concentration centers on the power of perception. Training in gratitude shows how powerful perception can be. For it requires developing a particular set of perceptions about life and the world. If you perceive help as demeaning, then gratitude itself feels demeaning. But if you perceive help as an expression of trust, the other person wouldn't want to help you unless he or she or they felt you would use the help well. Then... Gratitude feels ennobling, an aid to self esteem. If you perceive life as a competition, it's hard to trust the motives of those who help you, and you resent the need to repay their help as a gratuitous burden. If, however, you perceive that the goodness in life is the result of cooperation, Then the give and take of kindness and gratitude becomes a much more pleasant exchange. Similarly, gratitude requires mindfulness. In the Buddha's original sense of the word as keeping something in mind, in fact, the connection between these two qualities extends to language itself. In Pali, the word for gratitude, katanyu, literally means to have a sense of what was done. In the Samyutta Nikaya, the Buddha defines mindfulness as remembering and able to call to mind even things that were done and said long ago. As we develop our sense of gratitude, we get practice in strengthening this quality of mind. Reverence, humility, contentment, gratitude, and the timely hearing of the Dhamma, the teaching of the Buddha, this is the highest blessing. In the Mahamangala Sutta on blessings, Translated by Piyadasa Tara. Thus have I heard. On one occasion, the Blessed One was living near Savati at Jetavana at (laughs) Anathapindaka. Monastery. (laughs) Now when the night was far advanced... A certain deity whose surpassing radiance illuminated the whole of Jetavana approached the Blessed One, respectfully saluted him, and stood beside him. Standing thus, he addressed the Blessed One in verse. Many deities and persons longing for happiness have pondered on the question of blessings. Pray tell me, what is the highest blessing? Not to associate with the foolish, but to associate with the wise and to honor those worthy of honor. This is the highest blessing. To reside in a suitable locality, to have performed meritorious actions in the past, and to set oneself in the right direction. This is the highest blessing. Vast learning, skill in handicrafts, well grounded in discipline and pleasant speech, this is the highest blessing. To support one's father and mother, to cherish one's partner and children, and to be engaged in peaceful occupations, this is the highest blessing. Liberality, Righteous conduct, rendering assistance to relatives, and performance of blameless deeds. This is the highest blessing. To seize and abstain from evil. To abstain from intoxicating drinks and diligent in performing righteous acts. This is the highest blessing. Reverence. Humility, contentment, gratitude, and the timely hearing of the Dhamma, the teaching of the Buddha, this is the highest blessing. Patience, obedience, and timely discussions on the Dhamma, this is the highest blessing. Self-control, comprehension of the noble truths, and the realization of Nibbana this is the highest blessing the mind that is not touched by the vicissitudes of life the mind that is free from sorrow stainless and secure this is the highest blessing Those who have fulfilled the conditions for such blessings are victorious everywhere and attain happiness everywhere. To them, these are the highest blessings. Let us rise up and be thankful, for if we didn't learn a lot today, at least we learned a little. And if we didn't learn a little, at least we didn't get sick. And if we got sick, at least we didn't die. So let us all be thankful. The Buddha. Emancipate oneself from mental slavery. None but ourselves can free our minds. Bob Marley. From the Book of Joy, Conversations with the Dalai Lama and Archbishop Desmond Tutu. When you are grateful, Brother Steindl-Rast explained, you are not fearful. And when you are not fearful, you are not violent. When you are grateful, you act out of a sense of enough and not out of a sense of scarcity, and you're willing to share. If you are grateful, you are enjoying the differences between people and respectful to all people. A grateful world is a world of joyful people. Grateful people are joyful people. A grateful world is a happy world. Gratitude connects us all. When we are grateful for a meal, we can be grateful for the food that we are eating and for all those who have made the meal possible, the farmers, the grocers, the cooks. When the Archbishop Desmond Tutu gives thanks, we are often taken on a journey of Ubuntu, acknowledging all of the connections that bind us together on which we are all dependent. Anthony Ray Hinton spent 30 years on death row for a crime he did not commit. He was working in a locked factory at the time of the crime that he was being accused of. When he was arrested in the state of Alabama in the United States, he was told by the police officers that he'd be going to jail because he was black. He spent 30 years in a 5-by-7-foot cell in solitary confinement, allowed out only one hour a day. During this time on death row, Hinton became a counselor and friend, not only to the other inmates, 54 of whom were put to death, but to the death row guards, many of whom begged Hinton's attorneys to get him out. When a unanimous Supreme Court ruling ordered his release, he was finally able to walk free. He said, one does not know the value of freedom until one has had it taken away. He told me, people run out of the rain. I run into the rain. How can anything that falls from heaven not be precious? Having missed the rain for so many years, I am so grateful for every drop, just to feel it on my face. When Hinton was interviewed on the American television show 60 Minutes, the interviewer asked whether he was angry at those who had put him in jail. He responded that he had forgiven all the people who had sent him to jail, The interviewer incredulously asked, but they took 30 years of your life. How can you not be angry? Hinton responded, if I'm angry and unforgiving, they will have taken the rest of my life. Eagle Poem by Joy Harjo. To pray, you open your whole self to sky, to earth, to sun, to moon, to one whole voice that is you. And know there is more that you can't see, can't hear, can't know, except in moments steadily growing and in languages that aren't always sound but other circles of motion. Like eagle that Sunday morning over Salt River, circled in blue sky, in wind, swept our hearts clean with sacred wings. We see you, see ourselves. And know that we must take the utmost care and kindness in all things. Breathe in, knowing we are made of all this. And breathe, knowing we are truly blessed because we were born and die soon. Within a true circle of motion like eagle rounding out the morning inside us we pray that it will be done in beauty in beauty i thank you for your kind attention and your listening let's sit for just a moment from Jack Cornfield, with gratitude, I remember the people, animals, plants, insects, creatures of the sky and sea, air and water, fire and earth, all whose joyful exertion blesses my life every day. With gratitude, I remember the care and labor of a thousand generations of elders and ancestors who came before me. I offer my gratitude for the safety and well-being I have been given. I offer my gratitude for the blessings of this earth I have been given. I offer my gratitude for the measure of health i have been given I offer my gratitude for the family and friends i have been given I offer my gratitude for the community i have been given i offer my gratitude for the teachings and lessons i have been given I offer my gratitude for the life I have been given. Time for walking, and we'll be back for chanting in a bit.